Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. My goal, to give you ideas so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website, ClarkDeals.com, our deal site. And speaking of deals, coming up in just 20 minutes, no Clark Rageous moment today. Instead, sizzling deal for you. Six months of free cell phone service. Free. I'm going to give you the whole scoop in 20 minutes. And later this hour, there are some things I want to make sure you know you don't post on social media. I'm going to fill you in what is leading to a lot of heartache for people not realizing that on social media, a lot of evildoers are out there lurking. So I'm going to tell you how to be safe. I want to talk about something that is a very hot offer right now from AT&T. AT&T spent nearly $50 billion buying DirecTV. And they're trying to justify that it was a good purchase. So they're offering some ridiculously cheap deals if you will combo... AT&T services with DirecTV. And the prices are exceedingly low compared to normal if you bundle high-speed internet at your home with DirecTV or AT&T wireless service or however the bundle works. But AT&T and DirecTV are being marketed together, bundled together, But operationally, behind the scenes, it's chaos. Absolute chaos. And people that are signing up for these combo deals are signing up under offers where they are promised a price for two years at these extremely low prices. But all over the country, reports are pouring in that AT&T and DirecTV are failing to honor the specials that people are signing up for. And then once they're not honored, getting the problem fixed has proven to be pretty much impossible. CBS News did an investigative report on the problems and People are finding by the thousands their way to filing complaints about AT&T to governmental and non-governmental bodies, and the complaint and frustration is the same. That AT&T, and I don't believe that this is out of thievery. I don't believe this is out of dishonesty. I believe this is flat-out corporate incompetence. That AT&T botches the bills, charges people double or triple what they've signed up for, and then the consumer, no matter what, cannot get it resolved and get the bill to what originally they were promised. Number one, 
if you get one of these mailings, they're coming in newspaper inserts, they're coming in targeted direct mail to you. If you are an AT&T wireless customer, you're getting these offers for these bundles involving direct TV and maybe home internet. Make sure that you print out whatever offer it is you think you're signing up for. If you sign up in a phone call, ask for a confirmation by email of what you've signed up for and what prices you are to receive. You don't want to get, and if you sign up online, print out your confirmation of what it is you signed up for, what the rate is, and what you've been offered for the two-year period. You're going to need that later because you're going to need documentation so you're not in a he said, she said thing. Now, again, it is my belief that AT&T is not trying to rip people off. But the effect is people are being ripped off. And then AT&T does not allow you to file a legal action against them. You have to go to one of those kangaroo court arbitrations that AT&T completely and totally controls. And you're going to lose there unless you printed out documentation of what you originally signed up for and the price that it's supposed to be per month. Now, here's my thing. And the CBS story is just validates everything I've been hearing about these problems with AT&T in combination with DirecTV. We are going to contact AT&T. We're going to give AT&T some time to come up with a procedure to deal with the complaints people have, because right now they have no established procedure to deal with these problems. And if they don't, if they don't come up with a credible way to deal with this, I am going to let you know that no matter what offer AT&T makes to you, you should not sign up with them, period. Because they are broken. Now, if they can come up with a reasonable way to start solving this, first of all, it shouldn't be happening in the first place. But it is by the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans. At the very least, they got to come up with a credible way to fix it. And if they don't, AT&T, you understand, I'm going to make it clear to people that they need to walk away, no matter how tempting an offer you get in the mail, no matter how tempting an offer in a newspaper insert, that you should not do business with them end of story. So AT&T, the ball is in your court now. Fix it. Kristen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kristen. Hi there. How are you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Kristen. How can I serve you today? I had actually wrote in. I just wanted to thank you so much. I've taken your advice. Um, I'm a recent, semi-recent college graduate, and from listening to your advice, I paid off $60,000 in student loans and 
have bought a condo in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I just wanted to thank you. I've taken all of your advice and been listening to you for years. So now, wait, where did you, you find $5 million to buy a condo in the San Francisco Bay Area? <laughs> right. I've been working hard and putting money aside for by listening to your advice and putting down interest on credit cards and student loans. So um, I, I owe it to you, to be honest. Actually, you owe it to yourself because, you know, you can hear advice from me or anybody else. It's what do you do with it? And you acted on it and you took control of your finances and you put yourself in a position where in the most difficult housing market in North America, other than Vancouver, British Columbia, you own your own condo. Well, the bank owns part of it. but you, You were able to buy one. So, where are you from originally? I'm actually from the Bay Area as well. Oh, so you don't have bill shock about what housing costs. I knew what I was getting into, but to be honest, I did live at home after graduation and saved some money and worked side jobs in addition to my full-time job and um, to, to make it happen. So, But it, it was still, it was still a, a shock to, to see the prices and to see my mortgage now. But um, I'm excited, and at least it's going to a good cause, and I'm not just kind of throwing money out. And you've done all this in your 20s, right? Yep, I'm 27. That's great. So you have overcome the student loan debt, you overcame your credit card debt, and now you are in your own home. And there was a really snarky story that I saw yesterday that was geared towards people in their 20s that was, um, it it must have been written by a 20-something. It was really all about how if you are buying the lattes and buying the the fancy this, that, and the other, you're never going to own a home. (laughs) It was really all about the whole lifestyle thing that you have to make sacrifices like you did in order to be able to achieve your goals. And going and dropping $7 on some fancy coffee is never going to get it done. Very, very true. So congratulations to you. And again, 100% of the credit goes to who, Kristen? You, Kristen. Perfect. Thank you so much, Clark. I appreciate it. Continued success. And it's funny, I saw that story And I didn't bring it in that I'm talking about that I read. I'm trying to remember where I saw that. It was picking on all the things that 20-somethings love to spend their money on. And it, it would be so unacceptable for me as someone of a different generation to make that kind of value judgment. But somebody of that generation can make that value judgment that you got to set your goals, mean it, and do the changes you need to in your life to achieve those goals that are important to you. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chris. Hi, Clark. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. I hope everything's great in your world. It's great. How can I be of service to you, Chris? We've heard you advise many times that we should seek counsel from a fee-only financial advisor. And um, right now, one of our financial advisors is an insurance person. And so um, I, I want to know how we can find a fee-only advisor in our community. It's, and, pretty, um, it's pretty easy. And okay. the insurance agents face a tough time right now because 
there's been a change in culture about going to people who you know the advice is not going to be influenced by commissions. And the insurance industry, traditionally, historically, and today, operates based on the agents earning their living by commission, that they give you the advice for free and make their money back on the commissions on the products that they get you to buy. And Mm -hmm. the problem with that is that there's too much inherent conflict in that way of doing business. And, you know, one product might have a teensy commission on it and low costs that would be better for you, but it's hard for an individual trying to earn a living to recommend that one to you instead of one that may have much higher commission and then in turn higher costs to you. So when you go with a fee-only financial planner, they're not getting commissions. So a true fee-only planner is only getting paid by you for the advice and guidance they give you. And the advice is way beyond, with a a real financial planner, it's way beyond Mm -hmm. just you should own this investment or that one or the other, and you should own this much of this and that little the other. It's much more about, okay, do you have your will up to date? Do you have um, directives for health care? Uh, what are you doing about making sure that your survivors are taken care of with insurance? It's looking at your whole picture, your goals, and creating a yardstick to see how you're doing achieving them. And I'm going to give you three groups you can look at that all do this differently and see what works best for you, okay? Okay. One is Garrett Planning Network, where you pay somebody to do checkups with you, kind of like going to an annual physical at the doctor. Uh-huh. And GarrettPlanningNetwork.com is the website, and Garrett is two R's and two T's. Okay. And the other that I'd like to tell you about is NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A, dot org dot org joel or dot com dot org and that's the national association of personal financial advisors and they are all supposed to be fee only no games no gimmicks and the third is x y x is in x-ray y is in yellow xy planning network dot com which is geared generally towards people in their 20s and 30s Okay. And but but it could be usable by someone older also. So look at the three of those. See which fits what you're trying to do with the goals in your life and then interview people. Just cuz you're at the right type of advisor doesn't mean you're with the right advisor. And so you interview them. Interview first by phone and then in person to make that right call. It's time for a sizzling deal. Let me tell you something. I have a great deal for you if you hop on it quickly. RepublicWireless.com, which is an extremely innovative cell phone carrier I've talked about for years, is doing a special right now where if you come to them for service, you get your first six months of service for free with no obligation to stay with them. So no gotchas. You just move your service, port your number to Republic Wireless, and you have a half a year 
of free cell phone service. Now, RepublicWireless.com uses a special technology to route your use of your phone. And that's why they're able to offer service cheaper than other people. But you have to have a compatible phone to take advantage of this offer. At RepublicWireless.com, you can see if your phone is, in fact, compatible. The other thing is that Apple does not allow iPhones to be used on RepublicWireless.com's network. So if you are an Apple person, you're out on this deal. But, you know, 70% of people in the U.S. use Androids. Most of the Androids people are carrying around would work on the Republic Wireless system. One other quick deal I wanted to mention to you, Costco never offers, never offers a membership special. They're offering a deal right now for new members where you join as a basic member and you get $10 on a Costco cash card. You join as an executive, you get $20 on a Costco cash card. Both these deals are explained in full at ClarkDeals.com. Okay, you're a human, which means you've done laundry some point in your life. And you know what a hassle it can be separating the laundry, preparing, doing multiple loads? It's not fun. Well, Home Depot might have a solution that makes it easy, really. They have the new Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry Washer and Dryer Pair. These innovative appliances are the first ever to allow you to wash two loads and dry two loads of laundry at the same time in the same machine. So when you do the laundry, you don't have to mix different colors and fabrics together and destroy your clothes. Flex Wash integrates a large capacity lower washer for everyday washes and then an additional washer for separate colors and delicates. And the Flex Dry integrates a large tumble dryer for everyday items and a flat dryer for your delicates. You wash one load, you dry one load, everything's done. And both the washer and dryer have a number of innovative features that make laundry super easy. Like the Flex Wash offers a steam wash option for removing stains and a self-clean to keep the water odor-free. And Flex Dry features multi-steam to steam away odors and wrinkles, while Sensor Dry optimizes drying temperatures to avoid damage to your clothes. It's technology you can really appreciate. And both are Wi-Fi connected, which allows you to set and start the machines and receive alerts when a load is finished. Together, the Flex Wash and Flex Dry offer the ultimate flexibility to provide the best possible care for your clothes. So get to Home Depot now and check them out. The Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry washer and dryer pair. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address, clark.com slash ask. So you get to ask your question. You can get off-air advice nine hours every weekday, except during holidays. You can see how to get free off-the-air advice from a member of Team Clark at Clark.com. Move kind of halfway down the main screen, and you'll see how to get that free off-the-air advice. Here's advice that is a follow-up to something I talked about last year leading up to Christmas. And this is from a listener named Dwayne. And Dwayne from Connecticut, thank you for sending this in. Dwayne is very distressed at how many posts he saw on Facebook from people congratulating their mom on Mother's Day with a picture, a full name of their mom, including the mom's last name, 
and so much other information that it makes it so easy for an identity thief trolling on the web, on social media, to take that information, and they're not going after your mom, they're going after you. One of the key pieces of personal information that an identity thief needs is your mother's maiden name. And so when you post stuff about your mom with full name information, picture, details, information about where somebody lives, you are opening up to so many potential problems. And you may not remember what I talked about back between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was about posting on social media pictures of where you are at that moment. Because burglars have a field day during the holidays knowing whose house to go burgle Because on social media, you're saying, hey, look at us. We're in Cancun. Aren't we having a great time? And while you're in Cancun, showing people pictures that you're in Cancun, the burglar is like, hey, easy pickings. And they're having a feast at your home. So here are recommendations of things you should not do And it's funny because three and four fit exactly what I just said. This is from LifeWire, what you should never post on Facebook. But this is true for other social media. Your current location and the fact that you are away from home. I just covered that. You or your family's full birth dates. Never say, hey, today is my 26th birthday. So the criminal knows you were born on this day, subtracts, they know what year, and they have another key piece to taking over your identity. There are certain things that are key and central to somebody being able to take over your identity or to apply for credit as if they're you. Obviously, social security number, your birth date, your address, your mother's maiden name. I mean, you provide a criminal with the keys to the financial kingdom when they've got those kind of pieces of information. So please be very careful how specific you are with information you put on social media and how open you are to the equivalent of friends requests because it works differently on different social media platforms. Be careful how you do that so you keep yourself out of harm's way. Judy joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Judy. Hello. So what an interesting follow-up to what I was just talking about. Yes, it is. You would like to do something to the other extreme, wouldn't you? Yes. I have a question regarding my personal information on the Internet. I I know that we've been on some sites and we see personal information that we would like to remove. Is there a way to do that? Not yet in the United States. Okay. In, in Europe, there is a Europe-wide law 
called the right to be forgotten. And so European citizens have the ability to petition to have information about them removed in blanket, in full, from the Internet. So if you are not a public figure, like I I don't have that right, but if you're not a public figure, you have the right to have the information about you expunged from the Internet, and it really does go away. Now, I talked about this briefly last month, that there's a new rule being adopted that there are legal experts that say that are going to force any U.S. company that does business outside the United States to individually honor a request for a right to be forgotten. And that's going to play out probably in the courts for the next year or two if there really is the ability for you to compel, let's say somebody does a Google search and all this stuff comes up about you, that if this legal interpretation is correct, because Google does business in Europe, you will also have the right here in the United States to tell them, I want any search about me to come up blank on Google. And we'll see how that hashes out. But the reality is, the Internet benefits from the free market to a point. And I'm a big free marketeer. But because of the danger that resides particularly with violence when there's a stalker or someone like that, we should have a law that gives the ability for people who are in fear for their lives, at a minimum, to be able to have their information forgotten on the Internet. But right now... You would have to actually move to Europe to have that done. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there. You know, I could live in Italy with the great food. I'd end up weighing like 600 pounds. But uh, there's, there's a lot of fun you could have over there. But obviously, that's not why you move. So there's no way to go out and get that information. There is no way today. There's, there's, I mean, it just doesn't exist in our country. And again, I think there are situations that demand that that exist in the United States. And the industry has failed to self-regulate and come up with a way to get it done. Jamie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You have some ideas about all the student loans we're dealing with in the United States, don't you? Uh, well, uh, Sunday afternoon I was driving. I, I worked down in Jacksonville and was driving driving down to where I work at, and you were on the radio and and one of your replays from earlier in the week, and you made a statement about the taxpayers are basically on the hook for all the student loans that are that are out there right now, whether they want to be or not. Right, because the student loan program has a federal backstop to it, and when people don't pay, ultimately the taxpayer ends up absorbing the cost of those loans. And the crazy thing is taxpayers absorb it, and the person who borrowed the money who defaults has his or her credit ruined basically for the rest of their lives, too. 
Well, then as soon as you mentioned that, my daughter, my daughter graduates next May, and we were me and my me and my wife have been paying as much as we can to help her, but she's got she's built up a you know probably in the neighborhood of upper twenties, almost to probably thirty thousand dollars when she graduates. She'll be a, she'll be a civil engineer when she graduates, so the income potentials will greatly offset the the size of the loan she has. But the question that I've got is. If this thing, if most of her federal loans is through her government student loans or through a federal program, why is why can't she repay that loan as a as a deduction like your taxes come out? Since it's going to a federal agency anyway, I mean, why can't it come out pre tax? Why why wouldn't it then you know make it easier on when you when you get a new job, you sign up, you here's my federal loan number for my education and it's a payroll deduction along with having your social security taxes withheld and whatever else is automatically withheld from your check exactly it is is that does that make too much sense for our federal government to do that i guess it does make too much sense because that is a very clever way to do it because a lot of people may intend to pay on them and then life happens and they don't make that month's payment and if it came out of their paycheck before they saw it, it would have the same advantage of just being a, an automatic expense, like when I tell people that's the great advantage of contributing to a 401k, because you're investing in your future before you would ever see the money and be able to blow it. So it I like also, that idea. Wouldn't it also, it would also lower, you know, in a time when you're trying to pay off a lot of debt, it would also lower their tax burden also because it would lower their taxable income that money that's going to be going sure they wouldn't get hit twice on it now congress would have to make that decision to make uh student loan payments made through payroll deduction uh uh, something that could be paid with pre-tax dollars but the burden on the taxpayer is so large from defaulted student loans that that would be a very relatively small cost and a great, give students a great incentive, or ex-students a great incentive, to stay current with their student loans and do it through payroll deductions. So yeah. that's very smart. When are you running for Congress, Jamie? <laughs> uh, I have, you know, that, remember that thing we just talked about, people having common sense? I, I, I'm not qualified since I have that. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, the truth is that politicians today have become salespeople instead of legislators, and they spend their whole career fundraising, giving speeches, meeting with people, and leave to their staffs the work on legislation, being prepared for committee meetings and all that. And so they're not doing the deep dive anymore in the things in our country that need addressing. And so that is a terrible thing with how the continuous campaigning has removed common sense from the political process vivian's with us on the clark howard show hello vivian hi clark how are you great thank you vivian you are going overseas that's correct it's my first time and uh, i would like your suggestion about what is the minimal travel insurance coverage that i should get Well, the travel insurance depends on what portion of your trip is non-refundable that you would lose if there was a reason you couldn't go, and if your health insurance would not cover you outside the United States. 
So a lot of people, when they travel overseas, are not aware that they are uncovered for illness or accident for the for the care following an illness or accident if it occurs outside the U.S. And so that is an area I like for people to check with their own health insurer and see if they do have coverage when they leave the country. And if you don't, that would be coverage I want you to consider having. Your trip, okay. are you going on a tour, a cruise, or anything like that? Or are you just going by air and then traveling around? No, it's a tour, and um, I already pay for the package, but uh, I have to buy my own ticket, airplane ticket. Okay, so if you have bought a tour package, absolutely you want to buy trip insurance. Because with tours and with cruises, if you don't go for any reason, you know, you're ill, uh, somebody in your family dies, whatever, you still lose all your money. So you got to buy a trip policy. And so the website I like for you to look for them is a website called insuremytrip.com. Insuremytrip.com. And they have a wide variety of policies available for pretty much every potential thing you could worry about with a trip. And the more coverage you buy, obviously, the more you pay. So buy only what you know you're going to need. And then you can comparison shop among different providers to see who's got the best deal. Okay. I got one other tip for you, too, Vivian. Sure. Many times, well, I shouldn't say many times. It's not a frequent credit card benefit, but there are, are a handful of credit cards that when you use them to buy a tour or you use them to buy an airline ticket or a cruise, that you get free, included with the card, trip insurance. Okay. And if you paid for your tour with a credit card, did you? I did. Check to see if that is a um, privilege that comes with using that card that you automatically get trip insurance for that tour, and then you might not need to buy any, but if you don't have that with the card you use, then you definitely want to look at buying a policy. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com. Joel, ask it. Yeah, Clark. Matt says, Clark, concerning the international airplane carry on laptop ban, can we carry on a laptop that doesn't have a battery. I live abroad, and this is a big headache for families as well as employees around the world. My understanding of the existing ban, there's not one yet for our flights across Europe, but that supposedly is coming any day now. But for the ban that exists in countries already, even a laptop without a battery is not allowed in the passenger compartment, and that's based supposedly on intelligence that Criminals have figured out, criminals, terrorists, have figured out how to hide an explosive in the guts of a tablet or a laptop, not necessarily related to the battery. So that, unfortunately, is a no-go. Now, you're going to have to check your tablet or laptop, and airlines, in their terms of service, say they're not responsible if your laptop or tablet are stolen, broken, whatever. So what you should do is have an ultra, ultra, ultra cheap laptop and or tablet you travel with, not your regular nice one. You want to spend like $100 or $200 on one. So if it does get destroyed or stolen, 
you haven't lost your principal machine. Gosh, that's so negative to have to talk about that. So let me give you something positive about Europe. There are amazing airfare deals going on right now that were spurred by the discounters that are terrifying the full fare airlines. The full fare airlines are striking back. There are fare sales from around the United States to Europe with fares even up to 10 months from now. It fares as cheap as around 350 round trip. Look around. You may be shocked at what you find. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. This week on All of the Above with Norman Lear, Deep Star Julia Louis-Dreyfus sits down with Norman and Paul. Well, you know, there wasn't a script when I was first talking to HBO about it. There wasn't a concept. And my, my agent had said to me, listen, they're developing this thing at HBO about an unhappy vice president, an unhappy female vice president. And I thought to myself, well, I got to get in on this action because mm-hmm. it's gold. And it's so amazing that nobody's done it before. Listen today on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on PodcastOne.com. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. Clark.com slash ask where you can ask questions. And coming up in a half hour, keeping your kids safe over Wi-Fi on the Internet is a continuous challenge for a parent. I want to tell you about a new product available that's both a product and a service to protect your kids when they are online. And that's coming up just a half hour from now. I want to talk right now about something that is weird and esoteric but is a supreme court decision that came down i think two days ago that's gotten like no media coverage at all it was a five to three decision and it did not fall along normal ideological lines it was a mixed bag who was where on this but what the decision did was it created open season on people who have old, old, old debts in their lives. As you may have heard with the calls I get from people with old debts, they may get contacted by a collector uh, on a debt that's 20 or 30 years old. And these are what are known as debt buyers that go to a bank, typically, and they'll say, you know, you've got debts from 1985 that you've long since written off and they're not worth anything to you. 
we'll pay you a half a cent a dollar, a quarter cent a dollar, or whatever, on those debts. And then that debt buyer will use every means possible to try to get money out of somebody on a debt that could be 20, 25, 30, or more years old. Well, under the law, there's something known as a statute of limitations. And what that means is that a debt is no longer something that you have a legal obligation to pay after a certain number of years. And it varies by the debt and by the state. It can be as little as three years, often in the range of four, and in the rarest of cases could be 15 years in just, I think, one state. But uh, as a practical matter, almost all debts in the United States, the ability to sue somebody on those debts expires somewhere between three and six years. Well, the Supreme Court decided that a debt buyer can file a claim against you with the court, the case specifically concerned bankruptcy filings, but I don't see any reason under the reasoning of the court that it wouldn't allow a debt collector to file an action at any time in any court trying to collect on a debt outside of statute of limitations. The Supreme Court decided in its written opinion that it would be up to you, basically, to know that the debt was outside of statute of limitations. And that you would have to say, no, 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 that's an invalid claim, and it's legally unenforceable, in the words of the court. So you could be, at some point, served with a lawsuit on something that might not even be yours, may have been paid long ago, maybe to the original creditor, maybe to a collection agency, whatever. In any circumstance, regardless of what happened in the past, if you don't show up in court and say, this is not a valid debt, or as the Supreme Court said, legally unenforceable, and most people don't show up, then what's known as a default judgment is entered against you in the court, even though the debt is way, way, way expired. The judge is not supposed to be your advocate. And the action filed, unchallenged, gets the full weight of the law of the state coming down hard on you for a debt that legally is outside the bounds of the time period it could be collected. In bankruptcy, they can file an action to be part of your bankruptcy and try to get paid on a multi-decade-old debt. And again, if you don't challenge it, or the trustee doesn't challenge it, or if you have a bankruptcy attorney representing you, he or she doesn't challenge it, it becomes a valid debt in your bankruptcy, even though it had nothing to do with and was no longer a valid debt. This is ugly stuff. In my mind, it shows that 
the judges are so removed from everyday life, they live such a life of privilege, and they just don't understand what everyday people go through to hand down a decision like this, but it is now the law of the land, and you need to be aware of it. JR is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, JR. Hi, how you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, JR. How can I serve you today? Okay, so a little background. I, I have a, a term policy to protect my family. God forbid anything happens to me. But I've also looked into a uh, whole life policy, um, you know, as an additional layer. But I'll tell you how I'm really looking at it. I, I'm 35 years old. I was looking to contribute, you know, roughly $6,000 a year for the next 30 years. But I'm looking at it more as like a self-funded pension plan because I know once I turn 65, there is a 15-year period where I can pull out roughly $38,000 a year. And now when I'm 80, I mean, and that's if I started at 65, you know, now when I'm 80, you know, between 65 and 80, I'm getting $38,000 a year. And I still have some small death benefit to leave to my family. My question is, is there another option for a self-funded type of pension? Because that's how I'm looking at it, more so than the the life insurance aspect of it. And I also do have a 401k with a company match that I contribute to. All right. Well, I really am so glad you're asking this question. So over the next 30 years, you would contribute $180,000. And then that would throw off, once you hit 65, it would throw off 38 grand each year that you, in theory, would be able to borrow from your policy tax free. And then whatever remaining cash value there was at the time of death would go to your survivors. Yeah. And I looked at it as okay, I'm putting in this 180, I'm, I'm pulling out 555. Right, except... Over that 15 years, go ahead. All right, so here's the big except you got to look at, is that is that based on a projection you were given by the insurance company? Uh, Of of course. All right, so here's what you've got to know in something that is really weird. State insurance departments allow life insurers to do what are known as policy illustrations that are made-up numbers that are not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So if instead you ask the company, or if you're dealing with an agent, you ask the agent for the illustration of the guaranteed value of the policy, instead of the policy illustration, the guarantee, it's not going to be anything like the amount of money you're being told you'll have 30 years from now. And you can only do it, you can only make the financial commitment if the idea is to create your own pension plan, you can only trust that and believe it based on what the guaranteed numbers are, and anything above that would be gravy. Now, do you know, were you given also the illustration based on the guarantee no, no, because I, I looked through the document and it was, and, and then of course, you know, I read the fine print and everything, and, you know, this is, they, you know, these numbers aren't guaranteed. Again, it's, it's projection. Right, so, so the projections, the projections yeah. mean nothing. I can tell you, 
come to Clark's Insurance Company and, JR, you give me $500 a month and I'm going to turn that $500 into $4 million. And here's my projection showing it. And if a state insurance department lets me do an illustration like that, I can do that. And most people will not read what you wrote, what you read, that it's just an illustration. So ask instead for the actual guaranteed illustration. They may not be willing to give it to you, but -hmm. when you see those numbers, you may think, oh, this doesn't sound like such a good idea. And you can only invest in life insurance as a way of providing retirement income based on the guaranteed illustration. So the alternative that puts you in the same kind of money at age 35 is to put $5,500 a year into a Roth IRA. Okay. And then instead of having something that you're trying to use as a tax-advantaged way to pay income in retirement, you have a tax-free way to pay for your retirement. And tax-free beats tax-advantaged any day of the week, but the biggest thing is if you do a Roth with a low-cost company, it will have one-twentieth of the expenses that you have that are built in to that life insurance policy. And that means you have far more money staying working for you. Rafat is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Did I get your name right? Yeah, yeah, Rafat, yes. Rafat. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you? Yes, uh, I'm first a fan of your show. I don't listen all the time, but when I have a chance, I listen to you. Very good show. Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, my dilemma is I'm leaving the country for one to two years overseas, and I have a house. And wondering what my option, best option, is it to sell it, rent it through management company, or what to do? What do you think? So odds are pretty strong you're going to come back in a year or two? Yes. Do you love the house? Yes, a lot of memories. <laughs> well, the memories are one thing. Do you love living in that house? Uh, not, I mean, I'm not to stick to it. No, no, not. Oh, okay. If it's if it's not a real sentimental thing, like I can't wait to live in this house again. Have you had an increase in value that's been significant since you bought the house? Uh, most likely, not that much, but it's because I'm in a good area that didn't uh, you know didn't go down anyway. So, so you're kind of you're kind of treading water with the value. Almost yes. So if you haven't had a big run up, then it's really just a personal decision whether you would okay. sell it or keep it as a rental property at least for the next year or two. And the only thing I would say is that if you're going to be overseas, you need to hire a professional management company to manage it and rent it out knowing that that's going to end up effectively costing you about typically 10% of the rent. Okay, I don't have issue with that. So uh, what do you think? Is corporate rental or personal or doesn't matter? It really doesn't matter. It's, you know, when you interview rental agencies, you just want to see how their model works and you want references of absentee landlords that are using them to see if they've been happy with how quickly they've handled tenants. When a tenant doesn't pay, they've done a good job in getting the tenant out and getting a new one in. I mean, you just want to get a feel for what the experience is like that other property owners have had. 
But, but um, managing by remote control when you're overseas, no way that's going to work. And I will tell you, if you have a hard time finding a um, rental management company that you're really comfortable with, that would tip the scales to going ahead and selling the property rather than keeping it as a rental. And I hope you have a great time overseas. Where are you going to be living? I'm going to the Middle East. Well, I hope you have a wonderful time. Bruce is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Bruce, you've been getting a pitch about being able to extinguish your mortgage debt really, really quickly. Is that true? Yes, that's correct. And how does this supposedly work? Well, I haven't gotten a lot of research into it, but I saw an ad on YouTube. Actually, it popped up before I could watch my YouTube video. So I watched it, and it said I could uh, eliminate my mortgage in five to seven years if I converted my mortgage over into a HELOC and treated it as a checking account where I paid my bills out of it. Did you just hear your money blowing to smithereens? Yes, I did. All right, let me tell you this pitch. This pitch could not be more poorly timed if they tried. So what's your current mortgage interest rate? 3.875. So you'd throw away a fixed interest rate of, is it a 15 or 30 or 20-year loan? It's a 30. 30 years, you have fixed money at 3.875 at a time that interest rates in the U.S. economy almost certainly are on an up escalator. And they'll continue to go up. And do you know the first interest rate in America that rises when the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates it controls? Uh, Mortgage rates? Nope. HELOCs. HELOCs. So you would be taking great fixed-rate money and turning it into ultra-high-risk money where the interest rate could change every month. Okay. And their pitch is that you do the home equity line and have your checking account all tied up in one, and that every month you're, when your paychecks come in, you're paying down on your mortgage and also paying your bills out of the account. And it was something that was really hot as an idea five, six, seven, eight years ago and is not so much now. But I got to tell you, it would be the worst thing for you to do today. You got great money at 3.875% fixed. Keep it, Bruce, just like you have it. And don't walk away. Run away from an offer like this. Okay, you're a human, which means you've done laundry some point in your life. And you know what a hassle it can be separating the laundry, preparing, doing multiple loads? It's not fun. Well, Home Depot might have a solution that makes it easy, really. They have the new Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry Washer and Dryer Pair. These innovative appliances are the first ever to allow you to wash two loads and dry two loads of laundry at the same time in the same machine. So when you do the laundry, you don't have to mix different colors and fabrics together and destroy your clothes. Flex Wash integrates a large capacity lower washer for everyday washes and then an additional washer for separate colors and delicates. And the Flex Dry integrates a large tumble dryer for everyday items and a flat dryer for your delicates. You wash one load, you dry one load, everything's done. 
And both the washer and dryer have a number of innovative features that make laundry super easy, like the Flex Wash offers a steam wash option for removing stains and a self-clean to keep the water odor-free. And Flex Dry features multi-steam to steam away odors and wrinkles, while Sensor Dry optimizes drying temperatures to avoid damage to your clothes. It's technology you can really appreciate. And both are Wi-Fi connected, which allows you to set and start the machines and receive alerts when a load is finished. Together, the Flex Wash and Flex Dry offer the ultimate flexibility to provide the best possible care for your clothes. So get to Home Depot now and check them out. The Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry washer and dryer pair. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where we learn together ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. ClarkDeals.com is where you find the latest, greatest deals for your wallet. Stretch every dollar. Clark.com is our main website. So speaking of the web, you can hand a young child typically around age two, a tablet or your smartphone, and they somehow instinctively know how to use it instantly. Joel, you have young children. How early did your kids know just automatically what to do with a phone or tablet? Yeah, uh, my youngest is is not even two yet and we don't give them tablets but occasionally they'll they'll see our phone and usually to do facetime or look at pictures but they automatically know how to swipe take a look at the pictures they want to see go back press play on a video they just it's like they know it instinctively probably because they see uh my wife and i on ours too much but kids are what are known as digital natives from birth they've been surrounded by electronics And they just know what to do. And your kids become your tech support desk pretty quickly at a fairly young age. But at the same time, your kids can get exposed to stuff that's not safe for them. And it's a constant thing, a source of worry for parents that kids are, with the internet being the way it is, are being exposed to things that they're way too young for and you don't want to have to explain a lot of the stuff that they happen upon. So one of the people doing something about that is Amazon. And Amazon has just introduced their newest generation tablet for kids called the Fire HD 8. And it's the one for kids, the kids edition. It comes with a big, uh, colorful bumper on it. And so no kid who's passed about age five, six, would be willing to be seen caught dead with this. But it's designed so that a younger child can carry one, drop it, and have it be survivable, have the drop be survivable. It comes in childlike blue, bright pink, and exceedingly bright yellow. And they're $129. Now, the thing with it is that if your kid breaks it in the first two years, they replace it, no questions asked. And you get one year 
of their curated content that is safe for kids included in it. After that year, you have to pay them $35 a year, $40 a year, right in there to stay in their curated safe zone for kids. It comes with 15,000 apps and games, videos, blah, 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 from various sources like Disney and PBS and whatever. So the kids are in a zone where you never have to explain what something is they've made their way to. And again, this is fantastic for kids as young as Joel's youngest up to maybe five or six. And then it looks too juvenile for them. And there may be stuff beyond that that you're okay with them seeing and doing. But then you move into what becomes a much more difficult area for parents. And that is how to properly screen the content that kids are seeing from school age up to when they become a teenager. And, wow, I wish I had a good answer for that. I don't. But right now you can buy the Fire HD Kids 8-inch Kids Edition tablet. They're as bad as Google with the terrible marketing names or or no thought through marketing names. But it's the 8-inch Kids Edition tablet. 129 bucks, and it ships in just a couple of weeks if you order it now. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. David? Hey, Clark. Thanks for having me. Sure. What's going on, David? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to run something by you. I'm actually 30 years old. Um, I'm a contractor. You know, I, don't, I have zero debt. Um, very few bills, you know, apartment, utilities, insurance, since I'm a contractor. Um, and I, I've basically been saving since I've been working. So I, I have just about $30,000 in a savings account. And I really want to put That's that great. somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. So I, I'm not exactly sure what the best place, where the best place in this current market, where, where should I put that money? And I thought about splitting it up, doing 15 saving 15 and keep saving in a savings account and investing the other 15 in IRA. I'm not exactly sure, but I'd love some guidance on that. Okay, so you're right because of the kind of work you do. You want to make sure you have a rainy day fund because, you know, your work can turn on you pretty quickly. Right. And so especially there are months of the year that might be more lean for you than others, and you just don't know. So you do want to have a cushion, and your right. idea of keeping 15 as a cushion, um, it, it's an arbitrary number, but great. Question, how many months can you live on $15,000 if, let's say, your income just stopped for a while? Um, I live pretty pretty simple. I mean, I, I'm thinking I could go, you know, almost at least six months. I mean, I, I, I would guess more than that. And I, I should also note, that I, I don't plan on being a contractor for more than another two years if I don't get converted. This is the first time I've been a contractor. Um, I really like the role, so I'm, I'm sort of sticking it out. But if I'm not, you know, hired on in two years from now, I will go somewhere else. So I, I do not plan on staying a contractor. I should note that. Okay, so you're being paid 1099 income, right? Correct. 
So you are eligible to do something known as a SEP, a Simplified Employee Pension, and you're allowed to put aside uh, roughly 25% of your annual earnings. Oh, wow. So you can open a SEP, and at the same time you can do a Roth IRA with $5,500. So what I'm thinking through with you is if you were to take fifteen grand. And immediately you could put 5500 into a Roth, but that would be it. But you could then take additional money and open up a SEP and put money into that. Approximately, what do you expect to earn this year? Um, probably, so probably around 60, from 60 to 65. Okay, so with that kind of income, you'd be able to do, let's say, ten grand in a SEP, and 5500 in the Roth. And then the neat thing is the 10 you put in the SEP, you're then able to reduce your taxable income for this year by that same amount of $10,000. Oh, okay. Right. And the wonderful thing with the SEP is it requires no paperwork of any meaning to open a SEP. And, so, L- and anybody who gets paid 1099 is pretty much eligible to do a, a SEP. Okay. And so all the the low-cost companies that I have on my investment guide, they all do zero-cost setup for SEPs. Okay. So you could okay, do great. the SEP and you could do the Roth. And that's SEP, right? Yes. SEP stands for Simplified Employee Pension. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you it's simplified... The paperwork to open a SEP that you have to do the government form takes about 90 seconds, and it's half a page. That never happens. Especially for government, right? Right. So the only thing that you would have to be aware of is if you were to suddenly get offered a job during the year and you ended up with a lot less uh, self-employment income this year, you might end up over-contributing to the SEP because it's roughly 25% of your income can go into it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you would have to make sure that th- that you made, over the course of the year, made $40,000 self-employed, and then you're absolutely in safe zone for doing the SEP. Right. Okay. Um for the, the 5500 in, in the Roth, now would you, would you recommend just putting that all in at once, or would you recommend setting it up on a monthly, you know, sort of doing a couple hundred a month? Or you can do both of these that way, where you just set it up automatic contributions every month, mm-hmm. or you can just slap the money in. You know, the advantage of doing it in dribs and drabs is you don't freak out if the stock market suddenly has a big dive. Well, right. That was my that was my concern about just doing fifty five all together. And so that's why, with the SEP and the Roth, doing it in roughly equal amounts per month the rest of this year would be just fine. If that would make you feel more relaxed and comfortable putting money into stock type investments through a Roth and a SEP. And congratulations to you on the saving you've been doing. Linda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Linda. Hi there. 
Linda, you have a special warning for people when they're out shopping for a car. I do. I really appreciate all your great advice in buying a new car, and I followed it to the T, you know, soliciting Internet dealers to give me a quote. Thought I had sealed the deal in writing, and when I showed up at the dealership, they pulled a fast one, and all of a sudden said they were losing thousands of dollars and could no longer sell the car to us. So my piece of advice is unless you actually get something in writing detailing your name and the VIN number and the actual signature of the general sales manager, I would not recommend walking foot into the dealership. (laughs) All right, so I will tell you once burned like you have been, you'll take that as a lesson that this is a game dealer's play. I never get that complaint about somebody who shopped online for a car. That is a shady, sleazy action of either the individual involved or that dealership. And I would tell you that is exceedingly rare and unacceptable. Can I ask a couple of questions? Sure. Was this through one of the car services that you got the quote, or was this you emailing dealers and getting back a quote by email? It was by me emailing the dealers directly. Okay. Um, Because that way you could have somebody who would be a a scum bucket, but it would be unusual normally for somebody to be that sleazy. And so the individual you were dealing with, did it feel like they were just trying to con you, get you there, and then once you were there, play dirty with you? No, I really didn't feel that. I was very thorough with all of my questions and details and made sure, even told them that it was a car for our son and that he'd be coming into the dealership with his 80-year-old grandparents and they were not interested in any games. So if they were going to you know, pull a fast one, either the car wouldn't be there or the price wouldn't be right, to please let us know up front and we wouldn't waste our time coming. And he said, oh, no, no, I can assure you, we are going to, the car is right here. He took pictures of it. He had the VIN number. He made sure to tell me. So this was son, completely a sleazy person. Completely. Well, I'm not sure if it was the, the manager who was sleazy or the general sales manager, but I can tell you this, and it gave me a little bit of comfort. Not really, though. A few days after it happened, and I told, we walked out of the dealership, of course. Of course. Um, a few few days afterward, I got an email from the internet sales manager who said, I just wanted to let you know that I have resigned over what happened. Wow. So, I mean, I wow. think hearing someone, you know, is without a job, but, you know, it was literally a difference of $258, I'm telling you, that that they they, they were claiming and they wanted me to pay it. And I said, no, no, we had already agreed on the price. You can pay it. And I really think even if I had agreed to the 258 they probably would have continued rising the price. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Well, you, you so, did exactly the power you have in the marketplace, which is you walked. I do want to emphasize again, though, this is what happened to you is very unusual and not something that I have commonly heard when somebody's done the kind of good prep work up front, getting quotes over the internet on a specific vehicle with the VIN and all the rest, and that is obviously 
an unacceptable way for a dealer to behave, and the marketplace will get even with a dealer that plays dirty. I promise. And how about that that guy was so ethical that he said, I can't stay here. I'm quitting. Larry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Larry, you are in a dilemma with your wife that you want me to settle. Is that right? Well, just a couple questions. There's nothing we can do about it now. We've already booked this. But we're flying to Boston, booking a cruise to Bermuda. You are going to love Bermuda. Have you ever well, been to Bermuda? You. Thank you, thank you. No, I've never been there. I've been all over Bahamas. but Oh, no, Bermuda is, is completely a whole separate world from the Bahamas and is, uh, gosh, 700 miles away from the northernmost Bahama Island, I There's think. There's nothing around anywhere out there, but it looks like a postage stamp in the middle of the ocean. One of the most beautiful postage stamps in the world, I might add. Uh, how big is it in comparison to a state? Oh, <laughs> maybe Rhode Island? Oh, <laughs> I mean, it is small. Okay. Small. Very small. Okay, we book a cruise there, and they say we're only going to be there for a day, and I thought, wow, it must be small. You're uh, going to see everything in the day. What should I do in that day that I'm there? I mean, what do you oh, well, to Can you ride a it? scooter? Sure. If you can ride a scooter, I think the most fun way to go around Bermuda is on a scooter. And you just got to remember to stay on the other side of the street because they drive <laughs> on the wrong side of the street like the British. Right. But it, B- Bermuda is elegant, beautiful, peaceful, and like no other place I've ever been on Earth. And if you're wondering why the cruise would sail all the way, you said your original departure port is New York? Boston. Boston. Why you'd be at sea so long then you have that short stop in Bermuda, and then you turn around. Where do you go back to? Do you go back to Boston? Right. All right, because people who go on cruises a lot will tell you that the most fun on a cruise ship is at sea, not in port. Well, I've enjoyed it. The, we've been on three, but, you know, we haven't had the greatest luck with the food on some of them. And Well, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I can tell you that Bermuda is a place that I've been to several times. And the only question after any last trip to Bermuda is, when do I get to go back? Because it really is that special. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. One million. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. So figure out what your next read is going to be. Download Fully Booked right now on the Podcast One app at Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in 
bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.